What up, buds? It's Mike. Mary Jane is still on family leave, so we thought, what better episode to re-release than our chat with Rachel and Megan Rapino? This is going to be a little bit longer intro than usual because I just want to take the time to talk about the Olympics a bit. I love the Olympics. I've talked about it on here before. I used to collect the sports page every single day of the Olympics growing up. Every four years, they would be stacked to the ceiling. It was always my dream to play in the Olympics. And so I am just devouring them. And I know that there's a lot of issues going on within the Olympics right now, like with shikari and cannabis and CBD and drug testing and so many other problems and issues that need to be addressed, which is also why today's episode is so important to release. We have a great discussion about everything from opioids to cannabis use to Rachel's company, Mendy. Cannot talk enough about Mendy. Mendy is incredible. I sent a gift package to my dad. He broke his ankle. He loves to golf. Boom. Mendy really helped him. A couple other things I just wanted to say. Ah, what a brutal brutal. It was tough. It was a tough game to watch. The U.S. versus Canada women's soccer semifinal. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, uh, Canada won one nothing. I'm not going to get into the penalty kick. It is what it is. You got to move on. Next game, next vision. But I just want to congrats the U.S. team on an incredible, incredible run. The game before this, they scored 20 goals and were called for 20 offsides. It was, it was wild. Um, I also want to take a moment to say to Megan's partner, Sue Bird, go, 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 because they dominated France. I've never seen Sue Bird play until the Olympics, and her court vision, the way that they thread the needle with the, oh, man, Sue Bird. Holy cow, just absolutely marvelous to watch. Marvelous to watch. So they're going for the gold. I think when this is going to be released, they'll be playing Spain next. So if you want to check out and support the women's basketball team, rocking it against Spain and hopefully winning a gold medal, there you go. As always, this episode and every episode is brought to you by OCB Rolling Papers, the best rolling papers in the world. They are ultra-thin, chlorine-free, slow-burning, GMO-free, vegan, responsibly harvested. They have cones. They have rolling papers. Anything you need for a nice, easy burn. If you can't roll like me, get a cone. Fill it up, twist it up, light it up. Ah, if you can roll or you want to get better at rolling, then get the rolling papers because you're going to be in great shape. They know how to roll. Your thumbs will thank you. What else? Uh, Shout out to Mary Jane. If you want to put something in the air for somebody, give a little thought to Mary Jane. Shout out to her. This episode is uh, really special to me. It was uh, pretty cool to be able to spend a day with Megan on that Subway commercial, and she's just an incredible human being. Rachel is an incredible human being. This chat was uh, uh, just a real joy and honor to have, and now I feel like I'm waxing on and on, so let's get to it. Thank you, buds. If you want to leave us a five-star review, please do. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it is at Grub and... Yeah, thanks so much. Hope you all have a beautiful week. Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Rachel and Megan Rapino, thank you so much for joining us. This is so cool. This is so cool. We're so happy to be here. Well, I am. Are you, Rach? I'm so pumped to be here. I've been wanting to be on this show for a while. Uh, Amazing. Well, I mean, let's start with Mendy. Can we start there? Because we became aware of Mendico when we visited Oregon two years ago, and we visited the initiative, uh, and Mendy had just graduated the first cohort. And I'd just love to start with, if you could tell us about the company, how it started, and where it's going. That's right. I do remember that. Okay, God, that feels like a lifetime ago. Anyone working in the cannabis industry, it's actual dog years. So if you work in it one year, you've actually been in it seven years. So I've now been in it 14 years, and it feels really good. Seasoned veteran. Yeah. Um, Gosh, yeah, that was a long time ago. That was like the origin story of Mindy. We we had been concepting for three years, and then Amy Margolis, who's one of the leading, you know, regulations attorney in the space, she started a um, female uh, uh, business accelerator program in Portland called The Initiative, and it was to empower women in weed and to, to 
help us learn how to stake our claim in this industry, particularly around fundraising, because we all know that um, actually in 2019, the statistics said 2.97% of female founded companies get funding in this country, which is crazy. So obviously that, you know, the odds are stacked against us. So she, she took it upon herself to help us all figure out how to talk to investors and raise money and connect us to investors. And here we are two years later and I'm raising my second round of capital. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so, so how did, how did it start? Like what was the seed of the idea that became Mendy? Well, um, it started honestly because Megan, I mean, I don't know Megan if I could say it, but like Megan and a lot of her teammates and, and other f- friends in the pro circuit, like they've been using the product for years. And I am definitely like a, a, a person who loves to connect dots and, you know, figure out puzzles to solve when it, in, in regards to business. So, and, and create opportunities from that. So, you know, I was like watching them use all these products and they didn't really know if it was hemp derived or marijuana derived or what dosages they were using and the application was all over the board. And particularly, they didn't have really a trusted brand that they were using. Um, They were all kind of going on these sites and um, just hoping that it was a reputable company. Um, But what they did know is they loved the product and the plant and they much preferred it over a lot of the other over-the-counter meds that they've been using for years. Um, but the, other than that, you know, they didn't really know the science behind it and there wasn't a trusted brand. So we felt like with the Hint Farm Bill passing in 2018, it was a real opportunity to be the trusted sports brand. Now we're a hemp company, but I mean, we're definitely like leaning hard into cannabis. We love cannabis. We love full plant. So, um, you know, the waters are still blue for that. So that's ultimately what we're trying to do is to win the trusted athletes. Yeah, it was like I, t- I kind of started to dabble in... Um, CBD use I think in like 2017 and basically for my whole career it was like if you wanted an Ambien you could get one if you wanted you know Celebrex or a high-powered like you know anti-inflammatory you could get one if you wanted a Vicodin like you could get one and it's just like the way we travel and like how big our country is we're constantly like going games all over the place um, you know, our games are really taxing. Also, a lot of times our league, like we're doing things as cheaply as possible. So you're like playing at seven, you have a 7 a.m. flight, whatever. So it was just like, how do you keep up? And I think especially getting older, I'm like, how do I deal with pain management? How do I like, you know, because I would, you know, use sometimes like a Vicodin to fly because I was like, I'm not really trying to get high. I'm just like uncomfortable. And like, it's so fucking far, like. The West Coast to the East Coast, like Seattle to Orlando, why are we going to the moon? Like, why is it taking <laughs> so long to get everywhere? And so, yeah, part of it was just like, okay, it, you know, obviously it was becoming more part of the mainstream conversation in the country, just, you know, weed in general in different states legalizing and obviously the CBD part. Like, we didn't know really anything. Um, and yeah, it was like, who knows what brand you were buying? Like, I don't know which one. I don't know which one's good. I don't know which mm-hmm. one's like, you know, what even to look for. And so that's kind of where I started like dabbling and, you know, then sort of in swooped Rach um, with this awesome brand. And I think for athletes too, you know, we're, I know for me being part of the, like the Olympic testing pool, I'm pretty much in the pool all year round, but we have in competition, uh, you know, days or months that were, you know, technically in competition. That's basically like at the Olympics or at the world cup. And then the rest of the year we're, we're, you know, out of competition. So they don't test for everything, but it's just like, it's, it's hard when you don't know what to take. You don't even know what you're taking and there's not really a trusted source that you can go to, to be like, okay, these are my symptoms. This is what I need. Am I gonna, you know, pop a positive or am I, does it have, you know, THC in it or does it not? What's the difference between CBD and THC? Like all these things is just, it's so unknown. I mean, it's starting to become less taboo, but it's still, I think in the sports industry um, and in the sports world in general, just still kind of this thing, like no one wants to be the first one that's like, yeah, we don't care if people smoke weed or we don't care if people, you know, use weed medicinally or, you know, topicals or whatever it may be. Um, which is actually, it makes me think of a, what, what am I saying? I have a million questions, but one question in particular is where, because the um, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, they are kind of 
just cool with it now and not really testing, but um, like where does the league stand and where does FIFA stand? And is this the end of an era when it comes to football? See, this is the problem. I feel like of all of the governing bodies, like we talked about NBA, MLB, NFL, the IOC, FIFA, all that, the IOC and FIFA, I think, are the least progressive. They're so old and like they just take – they're such big machines and like bureaucracies. They take forever to do everything. So even like MLB and NFL – I don't know if NFL has said this yet, but I know uh, basketball, both men's and women's, yeah, they're kind of just like we're not – whatever they're not like hey we're we're with it but they're like we're not really testing for it i don't think our league does either um i'm not sure they they even have a testing pool so it's it's kind of up in the air the olympic committee has said cbd can be used in competition but they don't provide any way to certify that this that products are like safe and the ban used to be two years now it's like I think a year if it's under a certain amount and then you got to go to this like drug diversion program, which is just ridiculous. So it's like they sort of offer you this way to do it and then offer you no way to certify that you're safe to do it. So you're like, do yeah. I want to take this risk or not? And, and in two, when it used to be two years, people were like, obviously we're not taking this risk. Yeah, it's in a, you know, the state of the leagues is kind of in an interesting place because being cool with it, but it actually being legal are very different. So in terms of like actual leagues that have lifted their bans, MLB has lifted the cannabis ban in general. So all cannabinoids, which is great. Now they're testing for opiates and I think cocaine now, actually. So they now they're testing two other drugs. They lifted cannabis, which is perfect. Uh, the MLS has lifted the CBD ban. CBD only, though. So, again, there's over 100 different cannabinoids. So, only isolating one cannabinoid, that's also kind of tricky. So, just, and the WADA's done the same thing. But to Megan's point, they're not really certifying CBD companies. So, they've lifted the CBD ban, which is a great step. That's only one cannabinoid. But they're also saying it's almost impossible to isolate CBD. So, I wouldn't take it if I were you. And what's also interesting, too, is it actually is like, to my knowledge, and we have awesome. a sports scientist. Yeah. We have a sports scientist <laughs> yeah. on our board. It was the first thing we did when we launched Mindy. We all know that you can, there are markers for THC in your bloodstream. There are no markers. To my knowledge, to his knowledge, like we cannot figure out, we could not get an answer. Can you actually test for CBD in the bloodstream? To my knowledge, the answer is still no. So it also is this weird fear tactic because yes, THC can pop, but to my knowledge and like the, the, the science that's out there right now, um, I'm not sure that any other cannabinoid markers are in a test. So it is kind of like this weird gray area. But the MLB has lifted their ban. The MLS has lifted their ban. The NWSL does not test for cannabis. Um, and then football has not lifted the ban, but they said that there will be no consequences. And then the NBA has not lifted their ban, but they said they're not testing. So it's, it's like, yeah, it's dumb. It's, it's so dumb. dumb. It's it's mad dumb. Yeah. It, and do we want to keep going on this, or do you want to talk about fear a bit? Because I feel like on that kind of fear tactic tip, um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, where an egg in a frying pan represented my brain if I tried <laughs> weed. Um, and I know you both grew up in Reading. Um, but like, was there a moment where something shifted for you? Did you grow up and were, because it's one thing to get a doctor prescribed Valium and it's a whole nother thing to kind of like realize that there was a bunch of lies going on. Do you feel like something changed for you in growing up? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's all about self-discovery to be honest. I mean, all of us pretty much grew up in the just say no to drugs era. So we all grew up thinking that, um, weed leads to bigger and and worse things and then the older you get you've you know and and also I the Mindy story for me started a long time ago because obviously I played collegiate sports I played a year in the pros I had my first ACL reconstructive surgery when I was 21 so that was when I first was prescribed opiates and that was also when I first realized like holy shit I mean I'm getting like three refills of 90 Vicodin pills that's insane for a 21 year old um, and then fast forward till when I was 26, I had had six surgeries by the time I was 26 and I had taken more opiates than anyone at that age ever should. So, you know, I had taken like also so many meds and, and pain management tools. And so 
I just knew that there was like, there had to be a healthier solution out there. And then Megan and some other athletes um, got me more comfortable using cannabis products. And so through the self-discovery process, that's when I realized through anecdotal evidence that like, oh, this stuff isn't scary. It's not addictive. It's not harmful. And it's helping me in all these ways over time. It's not snake oil. It's not a cure-all. But the more you take it, that's when I started noticing that like my inset or over-the-counter med use reduced 85%. I didn't need the afternoon coffee because I wasn't having like the high highs and the low lows throughout the day. Um, So yeah, for me, it was really just through the self-discovery process. And then doing the research. I have a master's in health and exercise. And so I'm, I was huge in like human performance, recovery, sports science. So then once I started digging into the data and the, the, the tests that have been done over the past three decades, I mean, there's just so much information to, to point in all the right directions. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, definitely growing up in the like scrambled brain era of everything. Um, but our brother also, our older brother, he's five years older than us. Um, he has been a long time heroin addict and a, and a pill addict, um, in and out of, you know, the criminal justice system, all these things. So I feel like the first part of my discovery was like being young, just like freaked out. We were like, Rachel and I were like, we're not doing anything. Like mom and dad can't take anything more. And we were just like, we're doing sports and like, whatever, fast forward to college like we do we have these injuries we get pills like you know I've felt like the itchies from you know taking like too many pain pills but it's like they just give them to you so you're like I don't know I guess I'm supposed to take them like every four hours like it's fucking crazy you need them for like two days maybe I know and you're like oh this is safe yeah yeah it's like and they just tell you that's safe obviously so you know understanding like starting to understand that and I think just my own process of like you know working through stuff with my brother and understanding that understanding criminal justice system. Okay. Now I'm understanding the opioid crisis more. That's just, just like fucking crazy. And everybody knew, and they're just like prescribing people, all these things. Meanwhile, demonizing weed, which is like, you know, the worst thing that's really going to happen. You're going to sit on your couch for too long or something. It's like, it's, it's, it's the total opposite, um, of reality in, in the country. And then for my own self, like understanding, okay, I can get all of these things, but those things didn't make me feel good either. And I think as I became older as an athlete, it really is all about like these little marginal gains. Like how can I recover better? How can I sleep better? How can I, you know, have my body sort of take the edge off um, without, you know, taking all of these prescribed pills? Obviously those are not, not good for you. Um, and so just kind of like, you know, dipping my toe into the water on, on CBD specifically, um, but definitely full spectrum CBD because you get some of the plant in there. I mean, it's it's hard to isolate it, and it's obviously not not as good when you do that. So it's kind of like this whole sort of like cultural, societal, like criminal justice, like you know, social reform, um, you know, happening for myself that leads me then to this place of like this is actually the best option and um, you know best for your body. But also there's there's so many other factors that go into it. As you changed your minds about cannabis, have you found yourselves in the position of educating people around you? Do you have people coming to you to ask, both you know, in the athletic world and, and in the weed world and in your family? Are you, are you finding yourself explaining it to people and having them really listen, or are you still encountering a lot of stigma and pushback? I think it's like people are curious. They're like, <laughs> Yo. I'm glad you're doing it first. Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of people that I play with just like, what are you doing? How do you do it? What does it mean? Am I going to get high if I take this CBD gummy? No, you're not going to get high. What is, what is CBD? What is a can, uh, cannabinoid? Like I always get fucked up on that word. It's like, I just want like, as soon as I say cannabinoid, I want to like remix it and like do cannabinoidal fish as well. It's like, I can't ever say the word correctly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think people are really like curious. And as it starts to become more popular, and just more mainstream in the country, I think they're like, how do we do it safely? But also there's, there is that fear for an athlete of like, I don't want to pop positive and then like have a two year ban. That's just crazy. And I think our family too is like, cause we've, you know, obviously with the experience with our brother and we have some ad- addiction in our family, just in general, everyone's kind of scared of it, but then it's like, okay, how, how do we educate people on how to use it or what it is? And you know, now mom and dad are rubbing CBD all over everything. They're gobbling it all up. They're yeah, I mean, it. it's obviously more my job to educate 
the the benefits of hemp and you know cannabis or marijuana to the more mainstream audience but yeah i mean if you think about what the five most prevalent ailments are in our society pain inflammation stress anxiousness and sleep deprivation like pretty much everyone has a touch point to one or two or multiple or all of those things, especially our younger generation, sadly, um, coming out of a year like last year, stress, anxiousness, sleep deprivation are like the, the biggest things that, you know, the millennials and Gen Z are struggling with. But even the older generation and our parents, especially pain, inflammation. I mean, my mom's been on her feet for, you know, 40 years waitressing. My dad's been a construction worker for also like 40 years. They've taken everything under the sun to help combat some of that stuff. Their guts are beat up. Like they're ready. People are ready for a healthier alternative. And they're tired of being lied to, I think, by big pharma and by the government, you know, because now a lot of this stuff is being unpacked and, um, you know, our, our communities are kind of like, well, what the heck? Why is this like really healthy thing? Why has it been oppressed for all these years? Why have I felt like shit for all these years? Yeah. Oh, you're making me want to pitch a Mendy idea. Can I pitch an idea to you? Please do. Yes. Okay. So, um, I have, um, a scar on my hip. That's like the size of a koi, like a koi size scar from like a koi fish size (laughs) scar from hip surgery. And I would love to hear professional athletes sharing their scars and their like bumps and bruises with Mendy because Mendy because CBD helps with all of those things and like if if there was a podcast talking about like athletic injuries I feel like people who are not athletes would hear that it's helping with these bigger things Mm -hmm. and realize maybe it can help. I don't want to say bigger. I'm talking myself into a corner on this pitch because I'm not doing a good job, but, um, (laughs) no, I mean, that's, I love it. Anything, you know, those are the touch points. That's our job, right? Is to connect, connect the daily routines or the game plan of how you can incorporate MIDI into your daily, weekly, monthly life. Cause we know now studies show science shows that Cannabis is best used like a supplement. It's it's you're not going to get the most benefits when you're just you doing it one off every like couple months or every six months. So, you know, incorporating it into your weekly recovery routine or pain management routine, like that's where you're going to get the best benefits. And you know, we have something for that. Actually, our salve stick has been next to our gummies. So our gummies are number one seller, but the salve stick is definitely number two. Um, and a lot of our athletes have used it to come back from ACL surgeries, meniscal surgeries, like various surgeries that have scarring. Um, it definitely is great. The Arnica oil in it is really good for inflammation, really good for pain management. And then it has vitamin E, which is great for scars. Um, so yeah, we're like sort of hitting on that topic. Um, it's not specific about scars, but it's more for us. It's about like what's your game plan? How can we incorporate it into your game plan so you can start substituting out the stuff that's not good for your body, substituting in Mindy? But it's like people do, it's like, you know, whether you're a professional athlete or you just like to be active or, you know, you bike ride or you're hiking or whatever, like just because we're professional athletes doesn't mean that you don't have the same ailments as, as, uh, you know, everyone else. Like we have normal back pain because we're on our feet a lot. You know, some people sit at a desk all day. So like, they're going to have tension here or they're weekend warriors or, you know, they got involved in an intramural soccer team that they accidentally didn't mean to. And now they're playing every weekend. And like, it's not just for the like high level and it's not just for weekend warriors. Like it really is for everyone, even just like our mom, uh, you know, she's a waitress, but her job is really active. She's like up and down all over the place. She's carrying plates. She's on her feet for like five or six hours you know, a night or a shift or whatever it is. And so connecting those things, like you don't have to be a professional athlete to, to need, you know, what professional athletes need. Basically. It's like, we all like have the same shit going on. Yeah. My posture in 2020, I was shaped like a cook shrimp. (laughs) Like it was a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. just. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine. (laughs) Everything is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like cannabis being declared an essential during the pandemic, you know, should mean that every essential worker should receive some plant medicine for free for all of those. I mean, my hardest years of work were behind the bar. I was a bartender for 20 years working in restaurants. And, you know, I I look back at that time and I 
don't know how I did it now. I couldn't, I wouldn't last a, an hour behind a bar now. Mm-hmm. It's like all of the people who are working so hard, I wish we could just get them all some CBD to say, you know, give your, give your body a break. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is what your body needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to ask uh, a f- football question uh, that's kind of next to CBD for a second. Cause um, you both started playing so young and I'm just curious, like as you, as you both transition from these like incredible football stars as kids and dedicating everything to it and then entering the real world did you find that it was an easy transition to being a part of things or was it difficult like how did it affect you to be a part of the world that's a good question well you're still playing sports yeah but i feel like i've started my transition okay you're connecting the dots outside of sports you can connect with yeah let's let's hear your uh Let's hear your story. Well, for athletes, I mean, for professional athletes who have a long career, they talk about you You have two deaths. Like, you have your actual death when you really die, and then you have when you stop playing. And so many people do just that. They wrap their whole identity. And it's really hard not to. Like, it's your passion that you have from the time you're small. You have all these, like, you know, memories tied to it. Your, like, brain development is tied to playing a sport, um, you know, and something I, that you... I think it's intent. I mean, it's an intentional part of the culture of yeah. sports as well. I mean, you coaches, franchises, organizations, like they want you to be obsessed with it. They want yeah. it to be your only thing. Yeah. Like if you don't live, eat and breathe it, then somehow you're yeah. not like giving everything that you can to it. Uh, that is, that is definitely, true and and I think that I've seen a lot of my teammates or just other people not really feed the other parts of themselves or not even just make a plan because I think sometimes people try to make the plan and then they're like they get to the plan they're like fuck I don't like this either like this is like ah this is nuts but really like the developmental side and and having a life outside of your sport and being able to sort of put that away and I feel like I've tried to as I've gotten older you know, not only just dabble in other things, but like purposely and intentionally, like, what do I like? Okay. Do I like, you know, being, doing media stuff or do I like more behind the scenes or do I like more organizing or do I like business building or whatever it may be? I mean, I hope I'm doing it. I could get to that point. I'll have a real rude awakening, but I do value a lot of things about myself off the field. And I, I talk about it like that. Like soccer's not my whole life and I don't want it to be and I try to make it not that because it is really difficult when you have to transition I mean it it feels like everything and it feels like you do it for so long but by the time I'll retire I'll be like you know 40 or younger most likely and then I have like 60 more years left like this can't be all that you are and I feel like you know I saw Rach go through it you know putting so much into it through high school and college and you know everything and and playing for a year professionally after and then it was like okay, now I have to like start my life and feel fulfilled by other things. Or am I doing this job so I can have a certain lifestyle? Or do I pick a different job because I want to, you know, have a different life or is work everything? And I feel like, you know, you finding that work-life balance has been hard because I think it's at odds with society too. Like even if you're not an athlete, if you're, you just have a job, like you should just like love your job and, you know, spend all this time doing your job and, you know, work late and do all these things. And it's like, well, where's like the human part of that as well? I think we missed that. Yeah, I mean, God, there's so much to unpack because I definitely went through my death at 26. <laughs> now I'm back <laughs> into life again, which is great. Um, but it's, it's taken me a long time. I think that, like I said, sports intentionally cultivates this, this like fierce intensity. And I think that that's a blessing and a curse. You know, when you're in it and you're playing in it, I mean, it really kind of is all about wins and losses. But that doesn't transfer to real life. Like, real life isn't wins and losses. There's so much more in between. And I think for every athlete, when you're used to being in an environment that's so fiercely intense about competing and winning and winning at the highest level, it's really difficult, that transitional period when you retire, because like that doesn't immediately transfer to how real life is and probably what your next job is going to be, at least for me. Like I definitely had several jobs before we started Rapino SC and then before we started Mendy. 
and I hated them. Like, hate I mean, that's the worst feeling you in the world when you're them. when you have to be somewhere for forty hours a week. You don't feel intense about it. You don't feel passionate about it. You're not, you're making shit money, and you know you're used to you're used to like wrapping your whole identity and being this like elite athlete. Then all of a sudden, you're not really an, an elite anything anymore. Um, so I think the transition period from that like fierce intensity to what life actually is like can be really difficult. And for some people, like for me, it took several years. For some people, it may be a shorter period of time. Um, I am a very passionate person now. And so ultimately, I had to find something that I like really believed in. And, you know, the the golden thread for me is like, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, it's it's like doing producing good into the world. I'm making good things for good people who want them. Um, and, and so it just took me a little bit of, of, of time on my journey to really like shake out what that looks like. I wanted to ask, I think you've just answered it though. I wanted to ask about what from your pro career has translated into your work in cannabis, but also as, as female athletes, uh, have you found any sort of pushback in the cannabis space as entrepreneurs because it is such a male dominated space or are you able to just completely come in and change the narrative because of your background already sort of breaking the norm and coming up against an establishment that you, you know, changed really? Yeah. Well, every space is male dominated. So, (laughs) so yes, it's male dominated and yes, we're pushing up against that. And yes, we're one of the very few female founded LGBTQ founded. My business partner is a woman of color. We are like very few and far between. It's part of our story and we're going to celebrate the hell out of it. And I want to lead with that because if people in Megan has like helped me really feel empowered saying this because I'm, you know, I'm raising money. Uh, only 3% of female founded companies get funding. And so we're up against a 97% failure rate, right? And a lot of people say they care about equity and equality, but the single measure of that is money in this country. So if you actually love Mindy and love that we're female founded and love what we're doing and you care about equity and equality, give me your money. Show me by writing <laughs> me a check. Um, so yes, Show to answer me the money. Show me your money. Like that is the single measure of value and worth in this country. And so, yes, I mean, I, I feel it all the time, especially with this raise now because I'm, I'm raising with more institutional funding and VCs. Um, but, you know, an interesting thing too I, it took me a long time to, to connect these dots, but I had heard, you know, all through college and in my early years of my career that like people love hiring athletes and I didn't really understand why, you know, like, yes, we work hard and like, yes, we're competitive, but not all athletes are fiercely competitive and not all athletes work hard actually. So it took me a while to, for me to, um, you know, to define what is it about my athletic Rachel and my business Rachel that are actually going to benefit my business Rachel? Like, what is it about me that's an athlete that's benefiting the business side of me? And what I've realized is like actually being an athlete, obviously, yes, I'm very passionate. I work very hard. Um, I don't take no for an answer, really. Like I'm very resourceful. But I would say like the one, the, one of the biggest things that I've come to appreciate about myself from, from my athletic background is like you learn how to fail because you just no athlete has never lost a game. No athlete has ever not made a mistake on the field or had a missed pass or a missed shot or whatever. So I'm you, like you're just used to failing, even though you love winning and you prefer winning. Um, you, you just get used to making mistakes and you get used to failing and you just like pull yourself up by your bootstraps straps and like keep going. So I would say like that's one of the biggest transferable traits that I've realized later in my life that I really appreciate from my athletic background. I don't know if I'm really answering your question, um, but to go back to your other question, yes, very much male dominated th- this industry. But again, I think I'm, I'm, I am like a very fierce competitor. And so I am definitely not going to let that stop us. I feel like another thing is that you never get handed a win on the field or in any sport because you're rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, you're, you never inherit wealth and then win a game because you are you know, you were born well. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. that's just not the case in sports. Yeah, it does level it out. And that's something that I, you know, I encourage Rach when she's going into these, like, you know, meetings or whatever, if she's trying to raise money or talking to these people, like, chances, like, unfortunately, chances are they're not going to give you the money anyways. So you might as well just, like, say it really plainly. Like, hey, listen, 97% of all of you guys' money, when it's, it's normally men, but there are some women, 
um, you know, who, who sort of fall into that as well. But like 90%, 97% of all of your money is not going to people like me. So if you are serious about changing the cannabis industry and giving more equity to women, people of color, formerly incarcerated, whatever it may be, then like this is actually the way that you can use the most important resource that you have, which is money or your ability to fund or your network. This is how you can actually change the world and sort of leaning into that. I mean, I think oftentimes women try to, you know, try to not bring that up because you don't want to like, oh, I don't want to use the fact that I'm a woman to like try to get money. But it's like, whatever, or, it's already, or it's it's already happening. Wanna, or you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. That's definitely like some yeah, feedback I've gotten is like, yeah. well, it's like you don't want to make the men feel uncomfortable. But it's like, well, it's really uncomfortable that 2%, well, uncomfortable. only 2% of women, <laughs> or the, sorry, that the wealth in this country is only owned by 2% of women. 98% of the wealth is, is uh, you know, uh is by men. So it's like, that makes me really uncomfortable. You know, I don't, I don't really care about at this point, especially, I think especially coming out of 2020, I'm so much less concerned about ruffling feathers. Well, I think that's the athlete part of you too. It's like you take risks and most of the time you fail and you just like keep going, you know? And yes, there are some moments where you like, you know, you win or you win the bit, you know, the big trophy or you do the thing or whatever, but pretty much all the other moments, like you're just failing your way up to where you're going. It's and true. That's, yeah, and it's hard. And you just, like, got to take those L's and just, like, keep pushing. Man, that's inspiring. <laughs> this this is, like, the back of the Wheaties box should just be all of that. <laughs> it should just be a very long Wheaties Take those quote. L's and keep pushing. <laughs> take those L's, get your money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that actually kind of ties into, we were listening to uh, Sideline Huddle just before this. And that is your podcast. Everybody can check it out on YouTube, Sideline Huddle. It's very cool. And um, you were talking with Sue and, uh, is it NECA? NECA Ogumake, yeah. Yeah, about um, how they were, um, they just pivoted from trying to engage with a Georgia senator to just supporting a Georgia senator who aligned with their views. And you both have these platforms where you can reach an audience. Do you think it's important to engage with people who disagree with you? Is it important to have conversations? Is it, or is it more important to continually align with those people who you also agree with and just build a bigger, stronger ship? I think that if the person you agree with is genuine and wanting to have that conversation, wanting to have that discourse, then absolutely. I think that's kind of the the sort of lane that I've taken. Um, I get a lot of people disagreeing with me all the time and I'm fine having those conversations. But if it's just to like go through the exercise and we're not really getting anywhere anyways and like I'm riling you up and you're riling me up and we're not genuine and actually trying to find touch points where we can progress forward or find some common ground, then it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. Like I don't care if everyone agrees with me um, I think there's enough people that agree or enough people that feel the same way. I mean, I think that the Georgia Senate election is, is the perfect example. They used the power that they had at the time, which they were playing. They were on TV. Obviously, one of the teams is owned by Kelly Loeffler. You know, Kelly Loeffler was, was trying to rile up her base. So in, in engaging the WNBA players, what she was doing was not engaging in a meaningful conversation or a genuine conversation around Black Lives Matter or the Black Lives Matter political organization, whatever people want to have that distinction. She was just trying to rile up her base. And so anything going back and forth with her was disingenuous because that's all she was trying to do. So they just said, okay, no problem. Like you can say whatever you want to say. That's your first amendment, right? and everybody gets that. And we're just gonna support someone who aligns with our values more. So I think it depends on the situation, but I, I don't think people should feel like they have to engage with every single person, quote unquote, on the other side, um, just to have a meaningful conversation because there's a lot that can be done when we have consensus and we get together and we vote and you know whether that's in a small election or the general election or you know different causes. But I think that, you know, getting all the people together who actually do feel the same and want to make progress. I think that's really powerful too. And, and oftentimes I think that people feel like they have to engage the other side, no matter how disingenuous it is. You make me hopeful for unity. I'm such a cynical <laughs> dude. You make me hopeful <laughs> cynical for like... too, but I, I do think there's more 
unity out there. I think that, you know, the media landscape does not help. Um, Fox News does not help. I think we live in a country that has a, uh, that has different realities, truly, or at least people's perception of reality is different. But I feel like if you just start making people's lives better, like, you can't deny that. You know, that, that, that's what happened with Obamacare is like, or the ACA, whatever you want to call it. That people, you know, Republicans tried to take it away and everyone was like, well, hold up. Where are, you, where are you going with my health care? We can leave this one. We hate Obama, but you can leave my health care. And it's like, make people's lives better. I mean, that brings us back to the can- cannabis industry. Like, make people's lives better. And, like, they're going to be okay. They're, they're not going to just continue to rally against or rail against an issue when it's actually making their lives better and they're educated about it. Um, I, I really want to ask you, too, about your relationship as, as siblings and how... It plays out as uh, entrepreneurs. Like, are you? Are you? Do you push each other, or are you each other's supports? Is it? Is it a little bit of both? Is there a give and take? I mean, she, yeah. She called. She's called me five times today already, and it's only four forty-four p.m. What are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah. you have like a real job where you work like from the morning until a certain time, and I just like. You know, I have a job, but it's there's a lot of free time in there. There's a lot of downtime. Yeah, I can text and call, and I'm like, "What she, are you doing, though?" Because you, I know you're at home at your monitor. Yeah, she <laughs> calls me literally at every lull period in her day. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, it's totally doing? fair. Um, I was wondering what you're up to. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I don't I don't really know a lot of other twins, to be honest, Meg. Do you? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I don't few. know the ins and outs of other twinships and their dynamics. Um, I have heard that Meg and I are quite unique, and we're we're really uh, entertaining to be around because we're like brutally honest with each other. Um, you know, for us, it's just normal. Like, we talk every day. We talk multiple times a day. We talk about everything under the sun. Um, she's obviously like my other half. I mean, I talk about her about every, I talk with her about everything. I think sometimes like we do have to have boundaries because we can, we can go from work to family, to friends, to partners. Like we're just going in and out all the time. And sometimes it's like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about work later. How are you doing? What's going on? I mean, we can just so easily move through the like fluidness of our lives because we both are you know business entrepreneurs and we we love the business where we love talking about it I think we both have like very curious minds um we've you know obviously like have very different lifestyles than we have for a long time because I've been working Monday through Friday eight to five you know so um but yeah it's pretty great I have to say having Megan as as my twin is probably one of the biggest blessings of my life that's so sweet do you have a special ringtone for each other no not no, ringtone she knows we do the double call so it's like i'll call you and you'll I'll block her because i'm on i'm in a meeting i'm in a meeting <laughs> she can't answer it and i'm like <laughs> she well, let me just call one more time are you actually in a meeting and then it's like if she blocks me again i'm like okay fine you're actually yeah in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's definitely a lot actually, of double calling going on yeah a lot of double calling i think it's actually really cool since you've since you've taken over Mindy, well, founded Mindy, and are now the CEO, I feel like that sort of coincided with me more being entrepreneurial um, and us being able to, like, give advice to each other. And I think, you know, it's cool. It's like I do have an opportunity to, you know, be in rooms with other CEOs or, you know, be, you know, associated with brands or, you know, meet a lot of people. And I feel like just for me, I feel like I can give her a lot of advice like you know not everyone is as smart as they think you know or don't ever go into a room and think you know people are smarter than you and don't think you're smarter than them um or just like with the female stuff just you know especially with being a company that i feel like really puts social justice and equity and equality at the forefront like just lead with that the worst thing that can happen is you're not going to get the money like you probably weren't going to get the money anyways or stuff like that so i feel like we're able to sort of bounce our kind of different worlds off of each other and yeah, be, be that kind of support system. Cause we know each other so well, like I can imagine, you know, her in these rooms and know like the little, you know, things that I can help with or she can help me with. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I feel like we're finding our like business groove as our twinship. Did you both pretend that you were any other soccer players when you were younger playing 
And like for me, for hockey, I always pretended I was Patrick Waugh when I was in goal forever because I was like, oh, I get to be Waugh and he's Gretzky and all that. Did you have people that you were pretending to be when you were growing up playing sports? Well, I would say we wanted to be Michael Jordan. But you know, growing up when we were little, there wasn't a lot of like women's sports on TV. Not until we were like 14. Yeah, not until the 99 99 World Cup. Cup. Kobe Jones was definitely like a household name. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, we were, I mean, we played, obviously we love soccer, but actually basketball was our favorite sport for a long time. We just like stopped growing and we were never going to get the college opportunities that we were going to get for soccer. So we kind of, I think our junior year, we decided like, okay, we're going to play soccer in college. Um, yeah, but five, I, four and five, six is not going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> but, With a hundred inch vertical. <laughs> exactly. That's what we exactly. I mean, I could dunk, yeah. but like they just, yeah. I was still too short. Uh, no, I would say, and may, maybe maybe this isn't your truth, but like I would say I was much more obsessed with basketball. Yeah, no, we loved it. I think we were actually much more focused on beating each other than trying to be someone else to beat someone else. We were like, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat you. Yeah. Like we had these wild one-on-one where Rachel basically beat me and everything all the time, but Oh my God, fine. we played, we literally played one-on-one fill-in-the-blank everything all the time we grew up on like five acres in the country outside of reading um some of my famous uh, favorite memories though not that like you guys asked to go down memory lane but when it would snow once a year we would put on every single jacket and puffy that we had and we'd play tackle football in the snow and that was like, I mean, we would just be out there for hours with like, I mean, we would have like five jackets on and like our be like five beanies on. And yeah. Awesome. Uh, because this is weed and grub, we have to ask about snacks, food. What, what are your go-to things that you want to eat at any time of day? Well, um, I was listening to your guys' podcast um, about Milk Bar the other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Any of those cookies. The like cornmeal one is outrageous. Yeah. Anytime that I can get my hands on that tin with that assortment of cookies is ridiculous. We actually have an amazing place here in Seattle called Hello Robin. And they have a, it's called a mackle s'more. And it's a chocolate chip cookie with a little graham cracker square with marshmallow like melted into the cookie. And then um, a chocolate melted on top of it. And it's not like this big or anything. It's just a normal size cookie. I actually have one sitting up there. I'm going to be eating it later. It, and <laughs> when you go to the actual store, it comes, you can get it in an ice cream sandwich. Outrageous. I'm like fanning myself. Yes. Like I broke into a little bit of a red sweat. <laughs> like, yeah. Holy cow. That's... Um, that's a definite snacky cake. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I don't have much of a sweet tooth, so I don't go for the sweets. I am like a potato chip queen. I love just salt and pepper. I love just salt. I love like sweet onion. I mean, I jalapenos. I am like a total, that's my vice, 100%, potato chips. Is this a kettle cooked situation? Is this a... Um, a wide tortilla situation? Do you like the folded? What, what really hits the spot? It's, it's all about the crunch. All about the crunch. So I would say like kettle chips are my favorite. New Seasons, it's like a chain up here in the Northwest. There's some down in California, but they have their own line of potato chips now. That's become my number one. And then kettle's my number two. But I, I like like the really good, hard, loud crunch. Salty. The kind you can't sneak into a movie theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want to do some plugs? Yeah. Let's do some plugs. Let's do some plugs. Where can everyone find Mendy? Uh, anything exciting coming up? What about your podcast again, Sideline Huddle? Everybody should check it out. Um, please share whatever you like. Okay. So you can check us out at www.themendyco.com. We are just Mendy, but Mendy.com is taken, so we're... Where people sometimes refer to us as the Mindy Co, but it's actually, you can drop the Co and the the, just Mindy. Um, at the Mindy Co is our Twitter and Insta um, handles. And I'm at our Rapino. Um, I would say, like, yeah, keep, keep, follow us. We have some really exciting new products coming out this year. We have a very, um, a very dope 
Olympic campaign that we're doing with our athletes. So I would follow along. Sideline Huddle is our athlete video series where it's like one-on-one, just like we keep it real with our athletes. We had season one last year. We just were now actually rolling out the last season of season two with our last athlete, and then we'll roll out season three in the fall. Could we end on one it's going to be I it, we were when we were emailing we were going to do a secret BFF handshake yeah if could we do like a zoom to end where it's like we do the wave and it travels around to everybody yeah. to sign Who's out first? even um, if we go R- Rachel to Megan to Mary Jane to myself back to Rachel okay okay ready okay Oh, well, I didn't know we were doing, like, really fancy waves. I, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> Yours wasn't great. I'll I know. Yeah, it, was it was, like, like a silent, fancy wave. The wave. Okay, well, said... I need to do this again. Because my wave okay. kind of okay. sucked. It, it was so this... boring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the wave noise it. coming with it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you both so much. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.